0: Um, So this probably will never, ever happen. But let's just say um, someone has been in a coma for 40 or 50 years Mm -hmm. and they wake up and they've never seen a single movie by Martin Scorsese. They don't even know who he is. What would you say to them? Like, what would you expect out of a Martin Scorsese movie? How would you describe his work to a person who'd never been introduced?
1: Wow. Okay. well, I think. The f- first off, I would say he has returning themes through his work, but he is a very inventive filmmaker. He likes to test himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he has made historical epics and he has made thrillers. He's made some that could be basically considered a horror film, Um so you're gonna you're gonna get a, a breadth of an experience with the this filmmaker here, but really he's focused on character. Mm. He's focused on family and relationships, and he's one of too few mainstream filmmakers who is willing to bear all when it comes to showing emotions. And a lot of time. That means showing violence, sometimes very raw and brutal violence, but he's not a manipulative or an exploitative filmmaker. It really comes from a real place. So enjoy being out of your coma for a while. You're probably <laughs> feeling a lot of emotions right now. and once you've you're you know feeling a little bit more balanced in this world, jump right in there. <laughs>
0: Alright, welcome to another episode of a podcast directed by, so it's a new month and a new director, and this one's actually going to take two months, because we just like to stretch this one out, I guess. So we are doing Martin Scorsese, and he has such a long career and such a kind of full filmography that we kind of felt like, okay, we can't just pick 10, so we'll pick 20. So Mike, welcome to episode one of month one of Martin Martin
2: Scorsese. I like how you are already dismissing John Ford. Because he did not. He had <laughs> Who? also a pretty Who? long career <laughs> nope. and ten movies. And we're uh, good. neither one of us was really looking forward to it uh, as we got through the ten. We ended up liking, I think, what, I was nine for ten on mine. Yeah, and even the
0: ten, you were like, this is this is pretty good. It's, okay. it's just like mm-hmm. a, you know, a step down from the other nine. Right. So, shockingly, neither of us disliked any of the movies from John Ford. Maybe we should have done twenty.
2: But clearly, choices are being made here, and if there are tears, you have put Scorsese above Ford.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think both Scorsese and Ford would be angry at me for that. So <laughs> Scorsese, who loves the history of film and has you know been a champion of protecting film, not only as an art form but as a physical entity, uh, I'm sure was probably a big John Ford fan, and John Ford probably is not a fan of anyone except John Ford.
2: Well, that's this month's version of Scorsese. The second month the last film's going to end up on Netflix. So new Scorsese doesn't give a shit <laughs> about any of that. I don't think that's fair, but I'm just going <laughs> to let that go.
0: So uh, obviously, this is a director, I think it's safe to say that more people know well than John Ford. Like, I think a lot of people have, you know, a fair amount of films of Scorsese that they've either seen many times, or at least he's just kind of part of the conversation.
2: Uh, well, when, when he's starting work in the late '60s as opposed to late '20s, so yes,
0: that helps. That helps. But actually, this is something I'm—I'm I'm actually I think more excited about this month than I am the next month because there's a lot more blind spots for me in early Scorsese that I realized when we were kind of making out this list. I was like, actually, there's a there's a fair amount that that I hadn't seen. So obviously, we're starting with. With Mean Streets, but there's a lot like Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, King of Comedy, After Hours uh, that I had never seen and that are actually like in film circles pretty well thought of. Like, you know, a lot of them didn't do well financially. I think is it's something that's kind of uh, misunderstood about Scorsese. I think a lot of people think like, well, he always was doing really well but early in his career and we'll talk about it there are many times where he kind of thought his career was over like we view him now as just someone who's always been there especially past like 1990 you're just like oh it's a scorsese movie it's gonna do well but that wasn't always the case for early scorsese
2: also not the case for silence Yeah, well,
0: (laughs) I mean, but that is, and we'll talk about that, I think, probably later this month when we get to Last Temptation. I mean, that's going to happen when you make these passion projects, right? Like, this is one of those, like, well, this is really a movie for me. This is a movie, if if other people like it, great, uh, but this is really about me creating what I've always wanted to do now that I have the money and wherewithal to do it, right?
2: Yeah, I'm not going to you know expect him to be chasing numbers i don't think he's trying to go for avengers in-game records <laughs> <laughs> silence <laughs> no provides you know uh these uh you know very harsh uh religious films Yeah, a four-hour long treatise on guilt. Fil- on faith is not exactly gonna... yeah all of that <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not good feelings uh even from our heroes in those uh last temptation and silence so right yeah so
0: i also think when it comes to scorsese like there's there's a lot of people that think certain things when they think Scorsese. And what I'm learning as I'm kind of going through these movies is actually uh, a much more varied career than maybe you would expect. Like you, I think a lot of people think Scorsese, they think mobsters, uh, violence, a lot of guns. Uh, you know, you think of Goodfellas, you think of Casino, uh, you think maybe later of The Departed. Uh, but especially when you look at his early work, like he was really kind of trying to find his way and trying a lot of different things. So that was kind of a nice surprise, too, that we're going to get... Like you're going to get stylistic choices that are very Scorsese, but I think he makes a lot of interesting choices that maybe would surprise people who hadn't seen a lot of his movies.
2: I know at the end of these episodes, you always uh, mention the social media presence the podcast mm. has, but this is where I chide you for spending far too much time on Twitter because clearly people are just showing their, their ass when it comes to their knowledge of film. Yeah. And I say that as someone who, I don't even carry myself as someone that thinks I have a, a wealth of of information to give people. But what I do is I just watch a lot of movies instead of right. spending time assuming talking about and talking them. about it. Yeah. yeah. I just, I would prefer to watch them, which is why I hate, hate my time on this podcast because it's <laughs> taking away from watching more movies. <laughs> it's true. Absolutely. I mean, actually, you know, this is being recorded ahead
0: of time, but there was like a big, a little while ago, there's a big argument on Twitter about Scorsese, like people, you know, even to the point of denigrating his editor, uh, Thomas Coonmaker, who's just like, Kind of known as the best the world has ever seen at her it was profession. An interesting
2: like, argument because I believe it was started by a uh, a woman, uh, a writer for I don't know, one of you know some pop culture website or something. Right. You know she, you know I, I don't even know who this person was. thing the, and don't remember. So thank <laughs> God. The ground zero of what started the the great Scorsese war of two thousand nineteen. <laughs> uh, but the the problem is yet again, like it was probably just like a offhand thing to try to dress up the fact that she thought his movies were just too long. Yeah. And (laughs) And it
0: shows a a lack of understanding about what an editor does. It's an editor is not just someone who's like, well, we're going to take these four hours and make them into two. (laughs) Like that's not like you are literally like taking all this film and crafting it with the director. You know, you're working, you know, hand in hand usually to tell the right story. Like, it's not like someone's like, I'm going to make a two hour movie. So here's two hours and one minute of footage. And uh, we're done here. Like that's
2: not how it works. You know, given uh, given the, the time period we're in, uh, you know, Louis C.K. is still canceled, as the kids would say. But this has nothing really to do with him, except this is a bit that took place on his show from FX with mm-hmm. David Lynch, who I don't think is canceled. I think it's not still, yet, not yet. Think we're it's okay. still good as of this recording, which is what August, <laughs> August end of August, two thousand nineteen. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like if Dave doesn't edit this out, that's the the point of reference here. Um, but there's a, a bit where Louis goes to audition for for David Lynch, of all people, uh, who is, uh, you know, making him hold up like cards and read a monologue, like not a monologue that Louis has prepared, but just read this monologue. And by this stripping all of your personality, I will judge your comedic talent. And he just holds a stopwatch the entire time. (laughs) Just like, you know, with the expectation that like punchline goes here at this mark. And uh, that would be the way, if you uh, didn't know anything about uh, editing or the collaborative nature between a director and his editor on expecting that Scorsese turns it in and you're like, all right, silence. I'm going to get this down to about a hundred (laughs) minutes.
0: Yeah, exactly. And there's (laughs) a lot of, There's a lot of discussion and there always will be about a male director who like kind of traffics in this kind of violence. Uh, It's like, oh, is this person a misogynist? Like what's going on with him? And there's actually a quote from his editor uh, where someone was complaining about his movies being so violent. And she was like, his movies aren't violent till I get them. I make them violent. Like, and I was like, kind of respect that, you know, because I think he does get I mean, that's one of the reasons for so long. That was rumored why he was never recognized by the Academy is just because like they don't really like these very violent films about violent men. Uh, And he's kind of taken the brunt of that. And I like that she stood up and said, no, actually, that's part of my job, too. Uh, And that's, you know, one of the things I'm looking forward to on this podcast is kind of talking about like we give the director a lot of credit. And a lot of blame, but there's so many people that go into making these films what they are. And the editor is a big part of that. Whether you're talking about these two or you're talking about, you know, Quentin Tarantino and Sally Menke, like there's a lot of these, you know, you can see um, how well they work together. Uh, And you can especially see early in his career that they have this kind of amazing working relationship that if you take Thelma out of this, you have very different movies, I think. And you probably don't have as great of a career.
2: Well, Twitter wants her gone. So, yep, yep, canceled. The mob has decided. Sorry, Thelma, <laughs> you're done here. So,
0: Mike, what do you what are you looking forward to over you know either this month with early Scorsese or just the next two months with Scorsese in general?
2: Well, I've uh, I've never seen uh, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, so that's the one I'm I guess most looking forward to, which goes against I guess the the character that I'm supposed to play on this podcast, where I just want to revisit things that I like. Yeah. Uh, but I have an assumption that I'll like. That one, uh, because it'll be, a, I assume, yet again, a nice change of pace uh, from, as you said, the gangsters, the violence, that New York culture that I'm, you know, I, I'm looking at it. Uh, as and as the men an in general, race. too. You're actually yeah. having a
0: lead female character, yeah. which is different. <laughs> uh,
2: as far as the one I'm looking forward to revisiting uh, would probably be Last Temptation of Christ, because let's be honest, I don't just throw that on just willy nilly. So oh, that's like your chill out a movie. Meal. No, <laughs> no, it's not.
0: <laughs> Oh yeah, we will get to that. All right, so um the first movie we are taking a look at is I mean it's not his first movie. I think his first you know real film was probably Boxcar Bertha. Um but uh Mean Streets is kind of his, you know, his introduction to to the film world. It's the one that people usually think of like you talk about Mean Streets and Taxi Driver and Goodfellas all in that same kind of, you know, New York uh male violent vein. So we're starting uh with Mean Streets.
1: So Mean Street, it's one I enjoyed, but it's not one I normally think of returning to very often. Mm-hmm. But seeing it again, Mean Streets is really wonderful because you can kind of see the true Scorsese coming out. He's, he's sprouting out in this movie. You even with the famous tracking shot in a bar in Goodfellas, mm-hmm. he does that in Mean Streets. You, you kind of see um, the prototype of that you get to see kind of the burgeoning working relationship. Um, He had worked with Harvey Keitel before, but I feel like at this point they really honed in on their chemistry working together. And then you have uh, De Niro, who isn't the main main character. He almost is, but you can kind of, you can feel his presence nudging in, not only into the film, but into like Martin's heart. Yeah, <laughs> and he's kind of just seeing what this amazing dynamic actor can do. So, on one hand, you're seeing the birth and the refining of a lot of his filmmaking techniques, but you don't feel the growing pains. It's just a really tight, authentic feeling little movie. Oh, I hate calling it a little movie, but when you see where he's gonna well, go, in
0: comparison, it's tiny. right. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, not one of the big splashy ones, but. Every time I see it, I always find something new to focus on that's completely fascinating.
0: So I think, if I remember right, this is a movie both of us have seen before, right?
2: Yeah, I did uh, a podcast. I think I did a podcast on this one for Silence, the release of Silence. And you know, it was that I and... think
0: the reason I watched it was because of your podcast. Well, a that's a terrible
2: facts. reason. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was that and Bringing Out the Dead, which has mm. you know a lot of uh, religious imagery. And at the time, I would not have considered Main Streets because I think I'd watched it as a teenager and yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it was good, you know, early filmmaker, but let's get to right. the, the real stuff. Let's get to like, I would want to go to Goodfellas if I want to see like this, you know, sort of gangster culture. Um, But yeah, I do like the smallness of it. I actually watched uh, Who's That Knocking At My Door mm-hmm. uh, for this podcast, which is not not one of the featured films, but it came before this and I think was the first time he worked with Harvey Keitel and it has that sort of loose. Feeling That he's going for that is probably the thing I like most about mean streets is that, yes, it's about these gangster guys kind of doing gangster shit. But for the most part, it's like a hangout movie. Yeah. With with criminals.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I think Scorsese has been quoted as saying, like most of his movies don't really have a plot. Uh, And I think this movie is kind of like that. Like there are things that happen. There is a kind of an end point we're getting to, but the way we get there is certainly not a straight line. It's just kind of, it's a very kind of wandering movie, uh, which I find really interesting, especially because it, of course, as many Scorsese movies do, start with this voiceover about religion and about guilt and about shame. And I like the fact that he's setting that up within this world of violence, because I think sometimes we have this attitude about these violent characters that they have no morality and they have no compass. Uh, And yet this movie starts with kind of his lead character struggling with that and struggling with making the right choices in this kind of dark and grimy world. And I Mm. think the the fact that he, I I think Harvey Keitel is pretty phenomenal here. And I think he's always, most of the time's really good in his, especially in his uh, Scorsese roles. And I find it interesting, he's one of the few actors in these movies that is not of italian descent at all uh but you never know it you know i think he inhabits that role really well and i think especially the way he interacts with uh de niro here And de niro this is like the coming out party like you can tell from the moment he's on screen and it's hard to say like oh you can tell he's a movie star but like he just seems to have well, that something
2: days. monday morning quarterback yeah here, exactly so. it's
0: easy to say now that he's had this like 50 year career had been really successful. But I think sometimes when you look at these early roles, you're kind of like, huh, I wonder how he kind of got to where he got. But I think when you see De Niro here, like he just has that presence immediately. Mm. At least he did. for I have me. the
2: opposite reaction. He got really? on my nerves left and right. And I mean, well, he's... I think he's supposed to, right? I mean, I think that yeah, the role demands uh, it. But you know that I don't, I guess a character who can and will, Just like drop trowel and just like make a fool of himself at any point (laughs) with. There's no there's no structure to Johnny Poy, right? And so even within the sort of shady dealings of these characters, who you know the way they're eventually going to settle things is taking a shot at someone, um, and they're going to try to justify it. Whether or not shooting someone in a bathroom was was that excess or not? It's Mm -hmm. like well you know, it wasn't that insulting to him directly. And he didn't really have a dog in that fight. So he should have shot him as if someone who, you know, if you were someone's cousin, then you could step up. Then and it's okay. Thing. Yes. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I'm much more interested in uh, Harvey Keitel's character in this relationship. He forms with uh, the Robert De Niro's character's cousin who mm-hmm. suffers uh, from epilepsy. Um, And I think because I like the guy who's like, trying to bring structure to this sort of lawless world. I mean, yeah. that's something coming off of John Ford's month. I guess that was like sort of keyed into watching main streets, mm-hmm. but I can definitely see like, you know, when I was a teenager, I probably was, you know, when I was like you, Dave, a young buck, I was probably enthralled by Robert De Niro setting off firecrackers and blowing up mailboxes. <laughs> I mean, it's like, he's like Beavis yeah. and Butthead. In, yeah. You know, this Scorsese world.
0: And I think that's like, that characterization is really important in comparison to uh, Charlie, to Harvey Keitel's character, because he, as you mentioned, is trying to create some form of structure in this world that inherently is wild and loose. And it has its unwritten rules, but there's many times where you're like, I don't, I don't know what the right thing to do is here, whereas De Niro's character is just like, out of control constantly and will say one thing one second and then 10 seconds later completely changes his story because he knows he's caught in a lie and has no he has like no real gauge here and i think because of that you end up i think immediately bonding to charlie's character because you know he's trying to do the right thing by this person but you also know by the end of this movie this guy is not going to grow up You know, at no point, I think, are you convinced that he's going to change his ways, that he's going to have an arc. You just know he's going to fuck it up and Charlie is going to end up having to pay a price for it. Uh, and that's, you know, essentially what happens by the end of the movie. Uh,
2: maybe, you know, if you're the adult in the room, uh, I think the actor's name is David Preval uh, Sopranos. Uh, guy. He played like a very Johnny Boy character in the oh, Sopranos, yeah, just yeah. a maniac. Mm-hmm. He's he's like kind of like the bartender. He's the club owner. Mm-hmm. We're all this horrible shit happens and he's just sort of has to like pick up the drinks pick up the bar stool, pick right. up the like guy who's like been shot in his bathroom and i just like as an old man just felt total sympathy for him like right. jesus like you know he knows who his client base is but he's just like can i can we just go home like i actually just you know we're doing a movie podcast obviously like when they say hey we got 20 bucks we ripped these guys off let's go to the movies like <laughs> everyone's great. like so overjoyed let's go to the movies you got 20 to go to the movies so that stuff i liked i was trying to think of characters that uh, Edward Norton's uh, character in Rounders, a uh, mm-hmm. more modern film. Of course, I say modern. It's what at this point it's twenty-one, <laughs> 21 years old. Yeah. Um, God damn it. He's playing a very Johnny Boy character with his version of uh, Worm with Matt Damon in the, in the poker world. Where yeah. uh, I remember watching that uh, with some friends and family, and you know some of them had a very negative reaction. So I assume they would have that with Mean Streets as well, because mm-hmm. the more Edward Norton in that film just sort of dug the hole. For the guy that's trying to help him out. And it's like, all right, if you just please, if we can just get you back to like, you know, square one here, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You're a smart guy. Just stop. And it's like this reckless behavior. Just stop digging your own grave, please. It feels (laughs) like a young man's movie. Like, I really don't Mm -hmm. like, you could probably say that about a lot of filmmakers, but, you know, I don't think Scorsese now. I'm trying to think, Casino, maybe the closest where you have some characters that act recklessly, but there's also that sense of greed. There's no real greed from De Niro's Johnny boy. It's just like, just to see what happens, just to see how people react when he does crazy shit. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I was wondering what you thought about, because like in general, I think you're right. This is like a young man's movie and a hangout movie, but then it's kind of framed by all the kind of religious overtones. Like not only that introduction that I talked about, but also the fact like, I don't think it's a coincidence that this girl has epilepsy because for years in the Catholic Church, epilepsy was seen as a sign of, you know, being possessed by the devil. Um, Hmm. So I was wondering what you thought about using, like, you know, it clearly Scorsese's own baggage when it comes to religion because this will come up again and again this month and next month. Uh, Do you think it's a better movie if it's just a pure hangout movie or do you think it's better to have? this kind of overhanging structure and this
2: weight um, over the, over Charlie, over Harvey Keitel's character. It's interesting because I think if I was watching this in my twenties, I would find, I would say, you know, lose this or that. I would say go one way or the other. But I think if you are you know, teenager or you're, you know, discovering it very young, maybe college years uh, or you're middle aged. um, I think all of it works better because I feel like there is this, Strange thing with people in their lives And maybe it's like, you know Maybe it's in particular men Who like are trying to like Find some place where they're in a position of power Um And I think Clearly going to the church Is like, you know, if Harvey Keitel's character Is seeking structure in his world With his friends and his, his businesses You know, even if they're not in the, Of the straight and narrow variety Then the church also provides that too, right? It's like if I do Especially X, in, y, Z, in Italian-American and New York culture Yeah um. So I mean, no. Now you know. Now, and I guess when I first saw this, I I liked it. I like it for different reasons, though. I, I think when you're younger, I think you like to kick the you know kick the old ball back and forth between other people, like these sort of philosophical debates and, you know, long talking into the night on morality and, you know, the right thing to do. And then, and of course, you know, you go out in the world and you're like, you know, get a job and you're just tired and beat down. And you're like, I don't have time. Like, I'll, <laughs> I'll sleep on that. Um So, yeah, I mean, I think it's it'll be interesting for this podcast because he's going to start. There and then clearly he comes back to it at different mm-hmm. points in his career where you can tell it's on his mind again. But, uh, you know, is is this sense morality on his mind when he's making after hours? Uh, I would say not. I would like Probably to hear the not. case made. <laughs> <laughs> How <laughs> that is after about after Catholic hours. guilt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>,
0: <laughs> I mean, the thing I find mo- most interesting about watching this, and I because I think there's there's a lot great about this movie that is time dependent. Like I've heard all these stories of all these very famous actors and directors say like, you know, I went to the theater and watched this 10 times. I watched it over and over and over again. And I like, can't fathom that because it's so heavy. Like I Mm. can't fathom rewatching this a bunch. Like I've watched it twice. uh, And like, I can't imagine like, you know, you mentioned last temptation of Christ like this. I can't imagine just like putting this one on in the background. Like it feels, even though, the majority of it is pretty loose structure wise that kind of that overarching catholic guilt and maybe it's because i was raised catholic it really hits me hard when i watch this movie because i can really like i've never been a mobster i've never you know shot a gun and like held somebody up but there are moments in this movie where i'm like yeah this this feels very heavy to me and this feels very uh very reminiscent of my own internal life, maybe not the external mm. process. So like watching this is, is work for me. Uh, do you feel like this movie is like really rewatchable in that way that say like, we'll talk about this later this month, but Goodfellas is. That's a movie that I think, even though it's much longer, uh, I think people will put that on a lot in the background and can just watch it at any time.
2: Hmm. I mean, I think it, I actually think it's more rewatchable than something like Goodfellas, only in the sense that <laughs> I feel like Goodfellas, if I put it on, I'm going to, I'm going to watch it. Like I'm not, you know, or mm. they, if it's on TV and I kind of demands to, your attention. Yeah. I, I mm. think this one, you know, there, I mean, there's sequences where if they weren't in the film, is it going to really change, you know, the whole of it that much? Probably not. Right. Uh, you know, there's a, Sort of a timestamp moment where they uh, they they end up these guys end up picking up these two, I guess a, a gay couple or a couple of gay dudes. their friends. friends. A and very uncomfortable scene in 2019. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I, you know, I I liked that whole the whole gang together. I felt like I, I felt like all of them should go to the movies. You know, just like I did like
0: that. At no point in that sequence, like because that easily could have turned violent and really homophobic hmm. and ugly. And it's like. There's more of just like this kind of general annoyance that these people
2: are so fucking loud. Which well, I guess get... more that they're drunk people than right, they are right. like they're homosexual. Oh, yeah. Uh so I I did I liked that element of it because I I don't know, like there's you know, obviously these guys, uh with their you know, their <laughs> their concerns about their masculinity or how they're coming across to guys they've grown up with. There's this constant right. challenge to each other. Um I I did like it because I felt you know, it's somewhat disingenuous that if we're just going to put people on screen that are always nice to each other from all walks of life, not interesting. you're not really, you're not really seeing the city, right? right. You're not right. really. See, and so I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that could be you know, problematic, but I also felt like it was just a little bit more honest where it's like, Hey, you know, the, the city is alive and bustling with all types of people. And right. one hangup I have with crime movies in particular is that, you know, I, the, the influence that it's had on young filmmakers or just, I guess, film fans where it's like, you know, I mean, It feels that like, you know, especially like when Tarantino came in in the 90s, it felt like 60% of the product, everyone's carrying a gun on screen. And it's like, Jesus Christ, like, as you were saying, even Scorsese, even though it seems like the during the great Twitter war of 2019, no one's talking about the fact that he made, you know, Alice doesn't live here anymore, or that type of material. Um I guess that sequence, you know, I, I, find, it, I find it rewatchable. Not rewatchable and mm. then I'm hanging on every bit of it. But if you're talking about pure background material, mm. yeah, I think there's stuff I would jump into. And so that sequence would be one, going to the movies. And yeah, Harvey Keitel's relationship with Teresa, I, I find kind of fascinating. This, yeah. This weird thing where it's, I guess it ties more into the fact that he has to hide it from his friend, De Niro, because that's his cousin. And he also has to hide it from his uncle, which I love that Johnny boy keeps like double tripling down on the fact of like anytime they they run into any situation, any problem, if someone knocks over a glass in the bar, (laughs) well, we got to call your uncle, just call your uncle. He'll take care of it. It's like, (laughs) you know, Harvey Cotel in this world is like the kid with the rich, the rich dad. And you know, you've got the hanger on. That's just like, well, he can take care of it. Just, just call your dad. And yeah, so I don't know. I, I, there's a lot I like about this movie. I like that at times it feels like, you know, these very, Violent and I guess capable young men in a way that they're they're willing to to handle their problems in a way that you and I probably would not prefer. Let's uh, hope not. Yeah. Also feel like little boys. You know, they're little boys yeah. playing dress up at times. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um,
0: two things uh, crossed my mind when you said that. One is like I think that is a recurring theme in. Scorsese's work especially in his kind of mobster films is I think sometimes from the outside we look at these mobsters as like all-powerful and sometimes they think they are but in all of his movies they run up against the next level uh and then things get really bad and you realize actually these guys may have power over you know the shopkeepers on the street but there is a there's a ceiling for them (laughs) and if they bump their head against it too hard things are going to get really bad for them and I also think when Scorsese is great, and I include Mean Streets uh, in this, is when he makes his lead characters, his protagonists, difficult to like, but you still are connected to them. And I think when he goes bad, sometimes I think he goes too far over, and then they become completely unlikable. Uh, but whether you're talking about um, you know Charlie or Johnny Boy here, or some of the characters in Goodfellas, they're not like nice guys, uh, but he humanizes them enough for you to care about them. And I think he's great at that. And I think not a lot of directors really are. I think sometimes directors go too far and they're just like, isn't this guy a badass? And then that's where they leave it. Uh, whereas Corsese, I think, fights to find the humanity in these men, which is a really difficult task, I think, as a writer and as a director to really find that. Because these are people who are doing terrible things and victimizing people left and right. But he finds that one that one seed of like, oh, but this is this is a real human being with actual struggles, especially internally.
2: Yeah, it's the difference between like doing a you know a true crime podcast where it's like, look at all this horrible shit. And now we're done. You know, there's your 40 minutes of right. pain and suffering that you didn't have to live with. You got to walk on the wild side. Uh, yeah. Two hour feature film going and sit in the dark with other people and watch them. Eventually, you're going to question why am I watching these assholes on screen. Right. And I don't think, I don't think I've ever felt that way with a Scorsese movie. i have not seen everything. Um, so don't hold, you know, hold me to that. We'll find Twitter out mob. in the next two months. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that he's you know wise enough to know that uh, a guy with a gun is not inherently interesting. It may grab your attention, yeah. but it won't hold it. But so, yeah. You yeah. got
0: to do something else with it. You can't just have a guy with a gun and expect me to sit there for two hours and be engaged. Uh, But when you do show the struggle, when you show that internal process of all these men, because I think aside from maybe uh, Johnny boy in this movie, I think you, you understand where all these characters are coming from, even when they're at odds with one another, you know, you have the the character who Johnny boy owes money to, who is constantly kind of like, I've given him enough chances. If I see him again, I'm going to break his legs. Like this is, this is where we're at. Whereas, you know, Charlie is constantly trying to protect Johnny boy. From this guy, but at some level, even in their conversations, you can see he gets where he's coming from. He doesn't blame this guy and think like, "Oh, well, you're just being a complete asshole." It's like, yeah, okay, I kind of get it, but let's, you know, let's decrease the big here. Like that's, you know, you're making a little too much money on well, this that's deal. Where
2: the relationship with the, the cousin comes into play, where it's like, okay, is it? You know, what what else is in his mind that's keeping him from from for a guy who always wants to do things like the correct way? Clearly, he is. <laughs> befriended or taking in this guy who has zero interest in doing that. So right. you you have to imagine that either the romance element or just right. in his mind is he struggling with the correct ways to protect your friends even when they're like they're doing wrong that like he's <laughs> he's even telling him like, you know, why didn't you show up for work? Like at, you know, at times this is very much like this is parental or like middle management yeah. in the mob where it's, you know, Thank the guys God. that are, <laughs> can you please just go to work on your payday? Just show like, up. <laughs> yeah. Just show up. Uh, you don't have $10 to your name. Like, please, God, like, you know, go you owe work. money to everyone. Yeah, yeah. Please just go to work. 100%. Um, that may be why it's not um, other than it being like sort of the. I guess the big introduction, not just for this podcast, but that's the the big calling card for Scorsese. Like you pretty much everyone says, start with Mean Streets. I'm sure right. you know film nerds would say, oh no, no, will start from the very beginning. But as far it's as got time
0: for that, come on.
2: <laughs> I, I, even now, it's probably a stretch to say mainstream audiences as far as Mean Streets, because maybe we've we've gone. Unfortunately, Scorsese I think has had too many big films right. that it's almost in some way lessened. Main Streets, I think, was mainstream audiences where they're yes. just like, oh, I'll just, I'll just go with Goodfellas or Taxi Driver or something like right. that.
0: Yeah, and I think you really hit on something important earlier that this movie in a lot of ways is mainly about social pressure and how we respond to it, right? I mean one thing we didn't bring up is his whole like maybe starting this relationship with this black woman who works at the club. Um, and then his reasoning for not being with her isn't because he's not attracted to her, isn't because he doesn't like her, it's basically like, what will everyone else think? And it gets mm-hmm. to the point where he almost meets with her, and then tells the taxi driver, like, nope, nope just keep going, like, I can't do it. and he It's can't... the same with Teresa. And right, the, you know, the exactly, epilepsy, he can't, he can't bring himself to be public about any of this, because he knows he's going to be judged harshly, uh, no matter which choice he makes, so he, he chooses instead to keep everything a secret until everything just goes too far by the end of the movie. And there's no more choices.
2: Yeah. That's, a, that's a good way to put it, Dave. Yeah, Thank you. Okay. We're going to stop there. Cause I got, yeah, you to, might as well end it. I got there to agree because... with me.
0: So, uh, I, I do think though, mean streets is, uh, a movie that, uh, is worth seeking out. If you're a Scorsese fan, I think it's got a lot to say. And I think it's, interesting to kind of all right so you nope, you went too nope. far it's <laughs> interesting to see where this all started where this no. kind of mobster stuff started for scorsese mean so. streets
2: is worth checking out see it that's is. where you know you you, you could have ended on a high there but then you no. said something that immediately like you know that that <laughs> clued me in i'm like all right I've, i compliment dave and now he said something no, just, that, keep, just keeps going
0: uh so uh we're gonna pretty much end the episode there but what are you expecting kind of moving forward? Our next movies are Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. And of course, Taxi Driver, like, you know, mm. seen as, you know, probably one of the 10 or 15 greatest movies ever made on all these lists. So what are your expectations of those two kind of moving forward?
2: Well, it'll be an interesting, I guess, double feature in the, in that regard. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to say like I'm well versed in Taxi Driver, but I've seen it a number of times in mm-hmm. my life. And I think was the first Scorsese movie that I was ever exposed to. Same. Um so yeah, you're you're going to have like, you know, a true, you know, first time watch for me and then Taxi Driver. So, we'll see. We'll see if I have anything new to say about Taxi Driver. Yeah. That's always the struggle, I think. <laughs> that
0: is definitely. It's a movie that has been talked about a lot. So, yes. we'll see what we can come up with. So, uh, I kind of feel the same way. Taxi Driver was a movie that of course as a teenage boy I just loved cuz it is You know, right? I think right in that wheelhouse on a surface level. I think there's a lot more to it, and we'll get to that. And also, I had never seen uh, Alice doesn't live here anymore. I didn't like. I feel like the title feel feels like vaguely familiar, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you anything Hmm. about it going into it. So we'll yeah.
2: Taxi Driver. The thing that's going to provide discomfort for me is uh, of. I think of all films, I would uh, rather. Here, a woman's perspective on it. Cause it is such yeah. the, like such a, a dude's movie about the loner who like, and it's actually become even more relevant now yes. as far as like no one understands him. And so he goes to these like violent tendencies that he didn't even necessarily have but that's the only way he thinks that a man can express himself. So yeah, unfortunately you're going to have two dudes. And luckily uh, we will have it. a,
0: you know, at least one female voice kind of uh, commenting about the movie. Our, you know, our Scorsese expert for this period in his career is Stephanie Crawford, uh, who is a podcaster for the Screamcast, which is another, well, there you go. Horror podcast. So just we have just play least, her stuff. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk less. Hopefully that's, <laughs> that's the goal. Sounds good with me. Less <laughs> I have to do. Yes. All right. Um, so as I mentioned, the next two movies are Alice doesn't live here anymore and Taxi Driver. Uh, in the meantime, if you'd like to hear more from us, obviously you should, uh, if you just happen upon this podcast somehow, you should go subscribe. There's a fair amount of material out already. Uh, this is the third director we've done, so there's, you know, at least a couple seasons of material there. And if you want to follow us on social media, uh, go to Twitter and uh, just type in Directed by Pod and you can find us there. And if you like this show so much that you would be willing to spend your hard-earned dollars, we do have a Patreon. Uh, it is just patreon.com slash directed. By. And there there are you know tiers, and you can get some rewards, but also those interviews with our experts on these specific directors you can actually listen to in full and not just depend on Dave throwing in clips. So lots of material there for you. Uh so we will be back very soon in just a couple days to continue our Scorsese watch. Now
2: everybody's like a ghost in me. That just plays